Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a moving track here Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Adenton. That would be very weird. Now, it's probably close enough to Starkville. They're okay, though. Yeah, you know that just just come down. Yeah, same to Starville with and same with Sesums, Longview, and Osborne. They're all good. Yes. So Octoc, Octoc is is not yeah not an issue. Craig Springs, you know, you're all good. Matheson, uh, is that a little yeah. too far. Well, that's in a different county, so it is. Know. It's not in Octavia Hall, but it's you know, maybe maybe you know we'll see. Matheson has a coffee shop, so all right. Well, there you it's go. not bad either. Yeah, I don't drink coffee, but my wife likes it. We're gonna be. Uh, oh, by the way, you got a, a gift card today. I've been meaning to give you this for like I did. Big like shout a out month. to shout out, shout out to Coach Haynes over there. I'm I'm guessing it's Brad Haynes. I I know a couple of other Coach Haynes, but I'm guessing it's Brad. It's got to be if this, Brad. Yeah, Brad. Is if this is you, thank you very much. Yeah, very nice of you. Wherever you this are. This will go directly to my wife, probably. Exactly. But I'll probably get like a scone or Ooh. something like that of the of the sort. Maybe a hot chocolate. A delicious blueberry muffin, perhaps. Uh, I could I could do one. You'd be talking to that. There you go. We're not quite yet to the Christmas trees. No. Gosh, those are coming though. That Miss Brew puts together. But if Shane wants to six months from now. If Shane I mean, I'm not gonna discriminate against those either. If, like one of those in June. Why can't we just have, why can't we just have, you know, a summer tree cake? Yeah, can we can it just be a pine tree? You know? That's what I'm saying. Evergreen. And we can we can sprinkle like the sprinkles would be like pollen. Pollen. There you go. <laughs> That's genius. a million, million dollar idea. Genius. We just genius. came up with it. Wherever you are in our great state, you can enjoy Strange Brew Coffee each and every morning. It's just a click away. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it to be shipped right to your home. College Corner and College Corner Store, that's.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise you're looking for. Guys, Father's Day is just around the corner. It is sneaking up on us. You need to grab Dad a new shirt, a new polo, a new baseball cap, or just something new from College Corner. Check out their two locations in Jackson, Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, Flowood by the Half Shell, or you can shop online at collegecorner.store.com. And also, you know, if you're a USM fan listening, don't, don't, don't. Don't. I, I don't, like USM. Don't. If you're a USM fan listening, right now nobody's got a better selection of, of Southern Miss merchandise as far as you know what you want to take down to the Super Regional than College Corner. Check them out, collegecornerstore.com. I'm trying to mend some don't, fences. Just, just don't. <laughs> restaurant Tyler, Starkville's best restaurant. So 
I'm having oven trouble. Uh oh. My oven is messed. The guy comes out today. He's like, it's it's like a hundred dollars to visit just to look at the oven. Right. Oh, oh so I was like, oh, okay. you gotta be kidding. Well, me. I was like, all right, well, I need to find out what's wrong with the oven. And he gets done and he quotes me, this is what it's gonna cost to repair it. And I was just looked, I was like, I could buy a new oven. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. So I told him, I was like, we'll just pay for the visit here. Nice to meet you and send him on his way. That's well, that's kind of ridiculous. I'm getting to my point though. And that my point is now my wife can't make what I wanted for Father's Day. I wanted her to cook one of her, her specialties for me. Can't do it, no oven. So I'm going to say, why don't we just go to Restaurant Tyler on Saturday instead? That basically solves your problem. Problem solved, right? There you go. There it is. So that's what I'm going to do for Father's Day. I suggest you guys do it too. Or if you want to take Dad to Sunday brunch, that's always a great idea as well. Or any day is a great day to head to Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank. I feel bad for Priority One Bank sometimes because I don't have like a personal, personal relatable experience. Because they're down in central Mississippi. Yeah, like I feel bad. Like I can never be like, you know, I was in my priority. I can't do it. Like I got, I, I need to stop in a priority one bank and just meet some people, meet some folks, shake some hands, and be like, all right, I met them, and and now I can tell you they're great. I'm sure they are. They are good people because they are a great local bank. They do great stuff in the, in each of their communities. And if you're a priority one bank customer, you already know that. So I tell you what, if you are a priority one bank customer, let me know how that's going for you. Let me know what the, what they're doing for you. So tweet at me at Brian Haydad, and we'll talk about it. I hope you guys will give them a chance. Look them up online, PriorityOneBank.com, to find the bank branch nearest you and open an account today. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. We are 12 weeks away from Labor Day weekend. What does that mean? It means it is time to start talking about opponents. As we have done uh, for the past few years, not only here on Thunder and Lightning, but going back to the B&B show, we do our opponent previews in reverse order so that when we finish up, we're on week one. We'll be talking about Southeast Louisiana. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, looking ahead, I don't know how much we'll really talk about Southeast Louisiana. Oh. No offense to the Lions. The Lions is what they are. Correct. But they used to have state's number in baseball. They did. But that being said, we just don't, you know, we don't focus too much on the uh, on the FCS teams. We never have. So. So what does that mean? It means we're starting at the back end, right? Which means it is time, as always, I love doing it, here in June, to talk about the Egg Bowl. Last year's Egg Bowl, to me, was one of the more surprising results of Mississippi State's season. Maybe the most surprising. Even more so than the loss at Kentucky. Um, Because I just didn't trust Mike Leach to do what needed to be done and to test that weak Ole Miss run defense, and if you want to say it wasn't weak, well, then look what happened to them the week before against Arkansas. And thankfully, they were sort of taken out of his hands. You know, it started pouring down rain, and he really didn't have any choice. And on top of that, Will Rogers, Will Rogers played terribly in this game a season ago. Turned it over three times, uh, took a couple of sacks that were completely avoidable. I've said it a few times. I said if you switch the quarterbacks that night – and you give State Dart, State might have won this game by 40. Mm-hmm. Because defensively, they were dominant. Defensively, they had a plan put together that absolutely shut down the Ole Miss rushing attack. Shut down Quinshawn Judkins. Pushed him around all night. Dominated the Ole Miss offensive line. 
Lane Kiffin's head was all over the place. In that I, and I, and that, that had to play a role in it. And and we, we have an interview coming up. We'll play it in the second half of the show with Michael Borky, and he talks about that. Um, because Kiffin clearly was not locked in for this game. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know how much difference it would have made. Deep because State was just so much better than Ole Miss up front that night. Mm-hmm. Defense that they were just going to, to to win those matchups. This year, back in Starkville, Arnett's first time. Arnett and Kiffin don't strike me as they'll have the friendly relationship that Leach and Kiffin did. Just call me uh, crazy on that one. Yeah. Um, and as always, it's it's a huge game, and it's a game that you know for me this year when I look at Mississippi State schedule, it's going to be. Possibly win eight or maybe even win nine if things go really well for the Bulldogs. And I think once again, I look at how State was able to run the football on Ole Miss last year in an air raid offense. And I look at Ole Miss's defense. I don't feel like it's improved. And I feel like State is going to be more run, a more run heavy team this year. That to me is a formula to win the Egg Bowl yet again. You would think so. This game has proved to be a little unpredictable. I thought, you know, two years ago. Ole Miss was just the better team. State was just not going to win that game. And twenty twenty was twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty was the same. Was the same thing. Uh, both of those years, they were just they were, to me they were just the better team. And in, in twenty twenty, State was in that game. And, yeah, and had a chance to win it or had a chance to well, tie it. You take it away the end. fumble by Austin Williams. They That's win. a fourteen points. I think they win the game. I think they win the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. People forget Corral was really good in that game. Yeah, but Will Rogers threw for an Egg Bowl record yards. I think 450, something like that, 460. That's an Egg Bowl record. The the fumble really was kind of the – It was the game. Yeah. Um, and the, and they I think they threw a Hail Mary in the last play to try to tie the game. Or State, had, State threw a long pass, and they were down to like the 20, and then they ran out of time. I thought they threw it in the end zone. Maybe not. Well, I mean, they, they threw the last play. Yeah, the last pass. That's what I'm saying. It, it was like the – It was like a Hail just, Mary. Yeah, they didn't catch it. Yeah, so I mean, State had a chance in that game. Twenty twenty one, they just, I think, early in the ball game in the first half, State missed some huge chances, dropping touchdowns. Um, so the game has still been really competitive, even when Ole Miss has had the better team. Um, the big thing this year for Mississippi State is can Will Rogers channel his emotions? Because mm-hmm. I think the last two years he's been a little too fired up and. I mean, you, you think I, I, about that. Like, that's a good point. How can you be a little too fired up? For a quarterback, you can't be emotional. Mm-hmm. You can't. you you got to be like a pitcher. Mm-hmm. If you look at a pitcher, they might get a little fiery at, at the end of an inning or something like that, but they are usually the pitchers that are able to have success are the ones that are with playing within themselves and not getting uh, too hyped up. They're not overthrowing. They're not getting too upset about the, the umpire. It's it's the same thing with a quarterback. The quarterback has got to be able to channel his emotions. And Will Rogers, I believe, wants to beat Ole Miss more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So for him, I think last year that was probably the biggest issue. And then on top of that, you've got a uh, drizzling rain uh, most of the game the last two years, and you're running an offense that's going to throw the football 60-plus times a game. It just was not very conducive for Will Rogers to have a ton of success. So this year, Will Rogers has got to be, um, I guess, less emotional. and maybe, maybe he's not showing it, but in his head, I think he was trying to do a little too much. So this year, he's got to play a little more within himself, I think, and that's going to be the biggest thing. I think State's going to have the horses to win this game, and – 
you know, Ole Miss, you know, looking at their schedule, again, it's it's not going to be easy. They do have the benefit this year. I mean, last year, not that I'm trying to take up for them, but tough to go on the road and play Arkansas five days before the Egg Bowl. The Arkansas they got beat game, up in that game. Yeah, the, a few times they've played Arkansas before Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and that's just a mistake. This year they've they made sure they changed that up. They're playing ULM, mm-hmm. but two weeks before they play, I mean three weeks before they play A and M, and then Georgia. Yeah. Uh, so it's I mean the ULM game allows them to reset a little bit, but again the back half of that schedule is not going to be easy. Vanderbilt and and ULM notwithstanding, I mean. And Vanderbilt's probably going to be much better this year. Well, uh, don't forget, Vanderbilt had the lead on them at the half last year, and then it just got out of hand. Yeah. so I uh, couldn't cover uh, Jonathan Mingo the one time in his college career. Yeah, like half of his yards came in that game. Okay. I, I, I did the, the, the research on this because I did not understand why he was a second-round pick. In his college career, four-year college career, mm-hmm. 17% of his college yardage came in that one game. Wow. Played four years, and I, I would like to see like his numbers against legit competition in comparison. They to They are not good. Yeah, it, it was strictly a testing thing. Which I mean, he didn't he didn't get drafted that. Uh, where did he get drafted in relation to AJ and DK? They got drafted the same round, right? He got Second. drafted around the same spot. He was the thirty ninth pick and of see, the draft. I, I don't think he's in. And anywhere close. So you got, to those yeah, you got, me, you got me. Uh, you got me wondering. Yeah, and I don't think. So, he's, I mean, put, Brown, I think people see the one on his jersey, mm-hmm. and you know he's got kind of a similar body style. He's picked sixteen picks ahead of, J- of AJ. Oh my goodness! Which means he went ahead of DK too, right? Because AJ was picked ahead of DK. I'm but see, say. that's the thing. Like he tested better than those two, but those two were gamers. Yeah. Which re- I mean, he didn't I mean, test. Let me double check that. I mean, DK had some freaky DK testing was the numbers. Sixty fourth pick. Yeah, that oh, shuttle. Remember the shuttle they yeah, were talking about. The shuttle so was dumb. killing him. So yeah, dumb. dude, dude was running like a gazelle and could jump out of a gym, and his hands were the size of your head. But mm-hmm. that shuttle, man. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't really see it with with Mingo like those two. But I never did. We'll Ming- see. Mingo had all right. So Mingo had in his career one, two. Three, four hundred yard games. One against Vanderbilt, one against Central Arkansas, one one against Tulane, and one against Kentucky. There you go. He had a ninety yard game against Vanderbilt as a sophomore. He had a ninety nine yard game against Austin P as a junior. Let's go P. And then his senior year, he had eighty nine yards against uh, Texas A and M. I mean, what did what did he do against State last year? In the Egg Bowl? Yeah. Seven catches for 40 yards. Yeah, and he got popped by Jalen Green that one time, and like he well, I mean, just against disappeared. State, three years, in, in in four Egg Bowls, he had two for 15, uh, three, I'm sorry, three for 33, four for 21, <clears throat> and seven for 40. I mean, he never did anything. Yeah. I, I don't know how we turned this into the bash think, Jonathan Mingo fest. Well, I, I don't mean to bash him. I just I like I just don't see the hype. I, I was never Pearson. I think he's got a much greater chance of being Laquan Treadwell than he does AJ. The only I made a bunch of predictions last year. I got I got State completely correct. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss I missed by one game. I had them leading Kentucky. And another one I said was I thought it was a joke that Mingo was getting all this all SEC hype. Yeah. 
I said, I, will, I guarantee he will not be an All-SEC player. He made second team for the coaches, and I was just like, how? How is this possible? He had one game. The, one it game. was the Vanderbilt game. Yeah. They looked at the final stats, and there you go. But you know what's funny about that is, and this is what I'm going to talk about with Borky in just a minute, is Ole Miss doesn't have any SEC-proven receivers now. Mingo is gone. Malik Heath is gone. And they are just relying on these two guys. I mean, their two top guys are going to be guys who played in Conference USA last year. And now, nobody, up, nobody's up, bringing that up. I mean, they put up huge stats yeah. in Conference USA. Trey but Harris and uh, Franklin. Zakari Franklin, I think yeah. is his name. And But, I mean, it's Conference USA. So, like, are these guys going to be, you know, like Makai Polk and come in and be immediate contributors and huge numbers? Or are they going to be... Not that. Well, I mean, last year, didn't they have a couple of guys that they came in, and they, they didn't blew really up do and much. never heard yeah. from them? Heath was, the guy, Keith was their best guy. was their best guy. And so. that was a guy that nobody was really talking about. It's just uh, it's tough to, to have to rely on the transfer portal every year for these big spots. Mm-hmm. And you've got people already hyping up, you know, Ole Miss, you know, this is going to be huge for Jackson Dart. This, is a break, this could be a breakthrough season for them and all that. We don't know that. We haven't seen these guys against SEC teams. We don't know what they're going to look like. Last year, you know, we heard all these great things about the the kid from Central Florida yeah. or something, and um, who was the other one they had? Well, they got the, the tight end Trig who didn't do anything. Yeah, he never played. Um, they got another guy from like Missouri. Did they? Yeah. Uh, the only guy that they relied almost a hundred percent on Jonathan Mingo and Malik Keith. And those other guys just kind of, you know, floated off. It's very – I think it's just a very dangerous game to be turning over your roster like this mm-hmm. and having to rely on these skill players the way that you do. Now, the running back situation looks great yeah. again. I think they should be fine there. And I I think that their offense is still going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I just – I Oh, offensively they should I don't. Th- I don't see – what everybody else in the media is, and some people are, are are skeptical, but you know, a lot of people are talking about you know this team could be a dark horse. And stuff. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't see it because defensively, I just don't feel like they've improved that much. And you've got to be able to stop some people. So you, I mean, here's, here's they had, had four hundred and something rushing yards against Arkansas and got obliterated. Yeah. So Ole Miss last year. Let me do some quick math here. Eight. That's eleven, twelve, thirteen. They completed 239 passes mm-hmm. last year. Mingo and Heath caught 111 of them. Yeah. The next guy down is Jordan Watkins, uh, who uh, who had 40 catches. And then, it, it, I mean, then you get into guys like Trigg, who only played seven games. And then your two running backs had 15 and 12. I mean, they, they just... Well, that, that's kind of been their thing, too, with Kiffin. They had, they have one or two guys. Yeah, which is fine. It was Elijah Moore. Yeah. And you're one. Yeah. Then it was um, who was the other guy? Braylon Sanders. Braylon Sanders, yeah. which is fine, but you got to have that guy. Yeah, if that guy and is I mean, hurt, then you're Elijah Moore was SEC proven. Yeah, Braylon Sanders was SEC proven. Heath and Mingo had played in the SEC. None of these guys have played in the SEC, so you have that. So you have that question mark again. I think they'll be good offensively because Judkins and I think Bentley is going to be fine for them as well. And Dart's a good runner, too. Mm-hmm. They're so good at running the football, it's going to open up the passing game. I don't have any concerns about that. But they didn't go get a, a, any kind of real difference maker in the transfer portal on defense, in yeah. my opinion. So, I mean, they got some no, guys. They just got, they just got role guys, in my opinion. The, so, the, guy, the guy that they got from NC State, you know, that they were just, they, it was going to be like State's backup nose tackle. Yeah. You know, he didn't really do anything at Alabama, and he was just okay at NC State. I mean, I don't. At Nebraska, Nebraska. That's yeah. right. 
I don't know why. Stefan Wynn was his name, yeah. Yeah, so red and white uniforms. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, I don't see you know they've gotten some defensive backs that were good. They got the linebacker from Louisville, but again, you're not. I, I don't see a ton of guys out there that is really going to flip the script for them. Now, I think their defense could be better because I think they're going to have a defensive coordinator that knows, you know, more of what he's doing than. And that's the next thing, right? Is Golding? Yeah, is. Better coach, no question about it. I mean, uh, Partridge, should be. I mean, he spent so much time with Nick Saban. You got to pick up something. Got to pick up something. And here's the thing with with him is that he's going to be a good recruiter because whatever you want to say about him, he can point to a bunch of first rounders and say I coached them. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you want to say, well, it's Alabama. It doesn't matter. He can. Kids, say, kids he can will, do. It. Kids will see. Will kids see are, that, and that's all they'll hear. That's all they'll hear. Um, and I think, look, the guy was good enough to last with Saban that long. He's obviously a decent coach. Yeah, right? he can't just completely suck. But I mean, Saban's not going to keep him on board that offensive long. Offensive coordinators can work around talent issues. They can out-scheme, right? Mm-hmm. Defensive guys have got to have talent. Yeah. Like, there is no— And I, I want to see I want to see what he does without Alabama's talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that's a, that's a valid question, Mark. We've seen Alabama players go to the NFL, mm-hmm. um, and they haven't produced— Nearly the same way that they did in college because they didn't have the talent around them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the talent, or I guess the talent is more superior in the NFL, more stable across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they've had some great ones go to the NFL too, but it doesn't always translate for those guys because they don't, they're not up here and everybody else down here mm-hmm. like they are in college. Um, Pete Golding is going to have less talent at Ole Miss no matter how well he recruits there. He will always have less talent than he did at Alabama. Mm-hmm. They will never have a defense at any point like they did at Alabama yeah. when he was there. Yeah. So how does he how does he adjust to that? Exactly, that it's going to be a lot easier for him to coach those kids at Alabama than it is at Ole Miss. I we'll, agree. We will find out exactly how good a coach he is. I feel like we're you know, and I know our our most of our listeners are like, yeah, kill him. I feel like we're just killing Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is going to be a seven win team this year. And you know, to be honest. It's just the it's just the like the hype stuff. Well, like the hype is out. I don't control. think they're gonna suck. I don't right. think they're ever gonna be terrible under Lane Kiffin. Right. But I just want to to and, and they're paying expose him some of these things that people were completely glossing over. And they're paying him nine million dollars a year. They yes. expect more than seven wins. But when you look at their schedule, I mean, right off the bat, they're losing to Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. There's three. All right. And then so to get to nine wins, they can't lose another game. They can't lose to Auburn. They can't lose to to State. They can't lose to Texas A and M. They can't lose to Georgia Tech and, and to. I mean, they're going to lose some of these games. I have them seven and five. I have them losing to Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Mississippi State, and if I had to guess, either Auburn or Texas A and M. Or I'm sorry, Arkansas. Arkansas. They'll lose to Arkansas because. Arkansas is going to line up with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders and do the exact same thing and just run at them. Mm. So, yeah, it's the Egg Bowl—it's a really interesting year for them. The Egg Bowl is going to be really interesting for Kiffin because if he loses it too straight, and then he—if I'm right—and he's seven and five, and they're paying him nine million dollars a year. They can't fire him, obviously, right. and they wouldn't. But and they, and, and, and they you, would be really encouraging, him, like, look, if you find another job this year, let's let's just all. Well, now you've now you've kind of priced yourself mm-hmm. out of him doing that because there's going to be a well, lot of teams that aren't going to be willing to pay him. That's true. When he can make nine million dollars at Ole Miss, 
you know, why would uh, why would somebody unless it's like Texas A and M, which I don't, I, I couldn't see that. That's not a good fit. Yeah. He so fit why there. so why would you go spend nine million dollars on a guy that is the the job starting the, the job for down? me with Kiffin is Florida. Yeah, that would be a good fit. If 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 they suck again, if the Napier is like six and six again, they just say, you know what, it's not working. We got to pull the trigger again. Yeah. Now that being said, they're probably gonna hire a new athletic director at that point because that wouldn't get back to back. I wouldn't let, I would Scott, let Scott Strickland. Strickland hire a third coach, but this is something to think about. This game is going to be very interesting. I, the reason I like State today in this game is because I feel like State's going to be able to run the football, and I feel like Ole Miss is not going to be able to stop the run. And so there you go. Yeah. And then I, you know, Arden, and then you, I mean, you have an older team. This is a veteran know. team. They, 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 they yeah, they, that's going to play into it. And Ole Miss, I mean, we talked, we've talked about this a lot of times, and I talk about it with Borky. We'll hear that in just a minute. That in the, the the two philosophies of program building, State is still doing sort of the old school way. They use the portal, but they use it sparingly. And Ole Miss is fully committed to the portal. They're not really recruiting the high school kids as much. I don't. I just don't know. I mean, right now it's one nothing State on that on that account. I feel like Kiffin is is trying to change that this year. Well, I think Golding like is helping him in that regard. It's like they're recruiting Mississippi order. I think and high school kids. Part of that is, and look, these last two years in the state of Mississippi, not great. In yeah. terms of the talent pool, this is a much more talented year, and you've got those connections. You might as well use them. Yeah. You might as well use them. So we'll see. All right, let's move on into that interview. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it is what's for dinner. This weekend, if you got the chance to cook out, throw some beef on the grill. Steaks, burgers, picanha, tri-tip, or do what your friend Brian's doing. Grab a couple of chuck roast. You can smoke them just like a brisket, or you can go that Mississippi pot roast route. It's great on the grill. I'm telling you, just give it a couple hours smoke, then wrap it up in the in the pan and uh, put the butter and the au jus and the ranch in there. And buddy, that's fine eating just a few hours later. So mm. I got I got an mm out of Rocky mm. Falk on that one. So whatever you're looking to cook this weekend, make beef the star of the show. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. Not to mention the fact that, by the way, I, I, I need to mention this. That is a Bulldog Initiative business. If you are someone who wants to do business with people who do, who support your Mississippi State Bulldogs, Two Brothers is one of them. So when you make a when you make a purchase there of delicious smoked wings or perhaps a plate of pork rind nachos, well, there you go. That money is getting right back to the athletes that you support. Head over to the Cotton District and enjoy some smoked southern soul food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. Every business likes to promise it to you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems. And they have for 48 years. That is an incredibly strong track record. You can't stay in business at that long unless you've taken care of your customers. And that's what they do at Advantage Business Systems. They treat you like the neighbor that you are. They're a Mississippi business just like you. If you need a new copier, printer, computer, whatever it is, give them a call. And then if you do need service, they've got you taken care of. No 1-800 number, no being on hold for 30 to 40 minutes. Just the kind of service you expect when you work with a local business. 601-362-9192, or you can visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Rogues Collegiate Collection, we're talking about Father's Day if you get Dad a great new polo from the Rogue, he is going to be really, really happy because he's going to get a stylish polo, comfortable, great name brands, and it's going to have the logo that Dad wants on it. The M over S, the state script, 
Doesn't have to worry about looking like a walking billboard. So head to the Rogue or shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Breakfast at Dolce sounds like a great idea. 7:30 a.m. Tuesday through Saturday, they are open for business, and they want to see you in there. Grab a great cup of coffee, grab a bagel, grab a breakfast sandwich, and get your day started on the right foot. Great food there, and of course for lunch, selection of all artisanal. I love that word, artisanal grilled cheese sandwiches. And then anytime you want to just have a sweet treat, they've got it at Dolce with their incredible selection of gelato. But breakfast is where it's at. Head over to Dolce, 509 University Drive, to grab breakfast today. All right, let's go into our interview. I talked earlier with our friend Michael Borky, the big golden Adonis of Sports Talk Mississippi. Got his thoughts on the Ole Miss Rebels and the Egg Bowl. Twelve weeks to the start of the college football season here in Mississippi, which means on Thunder and Lightning, we start our opponent previews. And as always, we go back to front, so that means we get the joy Talking about college football's best rivalry here on the first. Wait, I thought you wanted to talk about lives. Oh, I'm going to talk about a far more bitter rivalry, and there will never be a merger between Mississippi State and Ole Miss the way there was with the PGA and the Live Golf Tour. It's Egg Bowl time. It's Michael Borky from Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's just get right into it. Last year, I thought that result was incredibly surprising. In Oxford, I, I did not think Mississippi State was going to win that game, and I thought the the biggest surprise was how well Mississippi State played defensively and how they they shut down Quinshawn Judkins in a way nobody else had been able to, and they dominated Ole Miss at the line of scrimmage. When you look back a year ago at what happened that night in Oxford, which you know we're going to look back a lot on Mike Leach's final game as Mississippi State head coach due to tragic circumstances. What stood out to you the most as you were watching that game? You know, it's crazy. It wasn't the football game. It was Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's that night was so bizarre because there was a football game and a, a, a bitter rivalry at that. And Ole Miss lost the football game. And all anybody wanted to talk about after the game was, well, is Kiffin actually staying or not? I mean, it's like the game was secondary to people's mind because of the drama that had happened in what? The... I mean, it really happened uh, the week before mm-hmm. and then really picked up on that Monday. And that's all anybody was really talking about. It, it was the the strangest egg bowl that I've ever been a part of. I moved here. Oh, man. In the fall of 2010. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, and some of the freeze ones were what they were. But that was the most bizarre post-game reaction to an egg bowl I've ever seen from the old Miss side because people were... They were just mad at everything, not even about the game. It was like, this guy's going to leave for Auburn, and he leaves by losing the Egg Bowl at home. That was just like a secondary piece to the the Lane Kiffin saga, which, of course, ended the way it did. But, yeah, physically, Ole Miss got whooped that night, and in part because Mississippi State had and, and has probably the most underrated front six in the SEC, if not the entire country, uh, and whooped Ole Miss up front that night. And they couldn't really do anything as a result. I, I mean, I, I saw some people criticize the, the game plan after the game. And my reaction was, hey, look, you know, criticize Lane Kiffin for how he's handling the Auburn stuff. But how many coaches can win when they're getting beat that badly up front? I mean, what what can you call that works when you're getting your you-know-what's kicked as bad as they did all night? Mm-hmm. Let's look at now. We, now we're here. 
with Ole Miss. Another year of you know rebuilding their team through the transfer portal, so a lot of new faces. But offensively, the two main faces return, Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins. Those guys, I think, are going to be potent offensively. But when you look at the receiver position for Ole Miss, you know, last year they had a couple of SEC-proven guys with Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo, and those guys delivered for them. They had good seasons. This year, it looks like they're relying on some new faces, some guys from Conference USA who put up gaudy numbers over there, but not SEC-proven. Are you concerned about the receivers at Ole Miss? So uh, I like what they have, but I I don't think I love what they have, if that makes sense. I I like when when you can... For example, the guy that that they just added, uh, we talked about on the radio show yesterday, Zachary Franklin. I mean, he's a back-to-back thousand-plus yard receiver in in the Conference USA. But at least uh, you have film of him playing, you know, good teams. It he had a really good game against Houston last year, for example, which is not the SEC, but still, I mean, he he is a highly productive wide receiver. So you know, at least you have solid, if nothing else. But that's kind of what the room is right now. It's Jordan Watkins. I think is the most overlooked player on this team. He got hurt uh, for a period last year. Uh, he was a Louisville transfer for whatever that's worth because that's how they uh, build the roster. But um, he was really solid for Ole Miss last year. And because he got hurt, the numbers don't match up. Plus Mingo and Heath being there, as you mentioned, uh, th- that's a guy that nobody's talking about that I think you'll look up and he'll have like 800 yards receiving next year and and he won't be a household name, but he can be that guy. But outside of him, it's two guys that played in the Conference USA, really productive, but that's where they played. Dayton Wade, who flashed in his very limited options for Ole Miss last year, the walk-on or former walk-on, maybe they've given him a scholarship by now. Jalen Knox, who was a Missouri transfer that has yet to produce at Ole Miss, spent most of last season hurt, uh, had a good spring for whatever that's worth, but a lot of people do. And then a true freshman. So it's Jordan Watkins and then a bunch of dudes that have not done it in an Ole Miss uniform. It is fascinating. They've done it, just not at Ole Miss. So we'll see if it translates. It looks like it's talented and experienced, but I don't see, you know, Aiden Williams can become that guy, the the, the true freshman, but I don't see a Jonathan Mingo, an A.J. Brown, or, or any of these recent Ole Miss receivers that went early in the draft on this team right now. I don't see that right now. Offensive line, you mentioned you know, a few minutes ago the way State was able to manhandle them. They bring back a lot of experience from guys who played a season ago. Losing Nick Broker is a blow there. That was the most that was probably the best guy of that group. But up front, they look like they should be a group that can protect uh Jackson Dart. And from the running game, we know that they're going to be good there. But do you have any concerns there as well on the offensive line? Yeah, of course, because of uh, see Jackson Dart did one thing really, really well last year, and he was really good in the pocket. Now, you know, his game obviously wasn't anywhere close to perfect, but he masked a lot of their issues on the offensive line. If you look at, like, their sack numbers, for example, you would think they'd be great at protecting the quarterback. They were not great at protecting the quarterback. Dart was just, that's one thing he does really well, is he's elusive uh, in the pocket. So it's the same guys minus one. They've added a transfer from uh, UAB, uh, Quincy McGee, who's from Hattiesburg for what it's worth, but uh, they, they've added him. They, they added a Washington transfer on the offensive line. Uh, you know, it, it's the same guys, though. So uh, will they take a step forward? I know they fired their offensive line coach, 
And speaking of NC State, uh, I say speaking of NC State, I was looking at Anyway, sorry, getting off track. But uh, they hired NC State's offensive line coach, who two years ago had, um, what is it, Iki Ikunu, uh, who got drafted by the Panthers. And so um, they really like him, but but we'll see. It's largely the same guys. How much of a difference does a new offensive line coach actually make? We're about to see. Defensively is where all of my questions about Ole Miss lie. Uh, when you look at the, the yardage they gave up a, a season ago, I mean, 457 yards to Tulsa, 403 yards to Vanderbilt, that's not great as in and of itself. But then you play Auburn, 301 yards rushing, 441 yards of offense, 500 yards of offense to uh, to LSU, 480 to Texas A&M. Actually played pretty well defensively against Alabama, all things considered. Some, some turnovers cost them there. We all saw what happened in the Arkansas game. And then against Mississippi State, you know, they gave up 97 yards rushing, but you and I both know that sack adjusted. State was well over 100 yards with Dylan Johnson and Marks, and now State's going to be more of a running team this year. Is Ole Miss going to be able to stop teams this year? I really feel like this is not a, a good defense when I look at them on paper. Yeah, uh, that's the million-dollar question. How quickly can Pete Golding's new scheme uh, make them better? And, and there's something that I've pointed to a hundred times, and I keep going back to it because I, I think it's really, really important. Uh, Sam Pittman was basically trolling the Ole Miss defensive staff during that game. Mm-hmm. His halftime interview and his postgame interview, he basically said, well, they lined up with negative numbers in the box, and so we just ran right at them. And then they just, they're not adjusting, so we're just going to keep running at them, and they're not adjusting, so we're just going to keep running at them. It was just a math equation, and he was kind of like, had this half smile explaining it like those guys are idiots. They're losing the numbers battle. And I don't care if you have the best players in the world, when you've got fewer of them in the box than your opponent, they're still going to beat you running the football. So uh, it depends on how quickly this team can learn a new scheme and if they have the personnel to run it. Because I I do think Pete Golding is an upgrade uh, from Chris Partridge. He's got years of experience doing it as opposed to Partridge's just one year of doing it and that one year didn't go well and and look I don't think he's going to have top 10 defenses every year at Ole Miss in the same way uh, that he did at Alabama the personnel is different and it's just not going to go down that way Uh, but can he make them competent and that answer is uh, you hope not you the state fan listening to this or the, the thousands of you listening right now hope that it doesn't work out Um, but the Ole Miss fan hopes that the, the new scheme can mask some of what happened last year. Also, they portaled well, but they portaled well now. And so you've got a bunch of guys that are going to join this team after spring practice in the summer. Can a guy like Isaac Ukwu, uh, the former first-team all-sunbelt guy from a year ago from James Madison, the, the edge, can he come in, learn the system, acclimate, and, and be an impact guy that quickly? That's a lot to ask. Now, he's a good player. James Madison is not in the SEC, obviously, but he can help this team. Stephon Wynn can help this team. He's recorded stats in five different college football seasons, four of which at Alabama. Uh, so, so he can help right away, but how quickly can some of these guys acclimate? They, by my count, so they got two defensive backs in, in the post-spring portal, three defensive linemen in the post-spring portal, uh, and another defensive back who was committed in January, but academic stuff, he had to 
figure that out, and now he's back. All on the defensive side of the ball, and every single one of those guys, they're going to need to play. So, I mean, that that is a lot of you have to get this evaluation right, and oh, by the way, he's got to move to town, get acclimated with the team, learn the system, and be ready to play in three months. That is a lot to ask. The On paper, in the post-spring window, they've gotten better talent and personnel-wise for sure, but games aren't won on paper. How quickly can they acclimate will be the key for this team, exceeding or underachieving in expectations. It's those seven guys, really, uh, will be the difference. A season ago, and, I, and, and now we'll get the Ole Miss fans riled up here that are listening. I said almost would go seven and five. I've had them losing to Kentucky. That was the only game that I missed. This year, I see them at seven and five again because we're replacing Kentucky with Georgia, and I think they're just going to lose the same games they lost a season ago. I think they'll lose to A and M. I'm sorry, not, not, not A and M. I think they'll lose to LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. I guess what my question is would be: two years into this philosophy of we're just going to do the the, the, the portal thing. If you're seven and five again, if you've lost to Mississippi State two years in a row, at some point, do you have to adjust that? Do you have to go back to okay, we got to get some high school kids in here and develop them and try to keep them in here for and build up a, a roster that way, or do you just continue to do what you're doing? I think you're already kind of seeing it, uh, the, and I, all of the above can be true. Mm-hmm. This is a really good high school class in Mississippi that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the addition of Pete Golding has changed recruiting philosophy. Uh, he he's like got boots on the ground, if you will. I mean, he he's everywhere and, and grinding in recruiting this state and beyond. And I I, I think there might be some kind of I'm not going to do the Lane Kiffin's a changed man thing because uh, I want to see one off season where he's not actively trying to get a different job uh, at a in conference school before I believe the whole I'm changed now, I'm different kind of stuff. I I don't buy that until I see it actually in action, but it does seem like they have altered their recruiting approach with this cycle. They are far more locked in on in-state guys, and they're getting a bunch of them. It's June, uh, so there's a long way to go. But so far, they're, they're getting a bunch of them. They're in on a bunch of them. They're really engaged in high school recruiting. I think you're starting to see some... Uh, philosophy change uh, already, but uh, let's pretend for a second that you're wrong by one game and they go eight and four. Okay, ten and two, eight and four, eight and four at Ole Miss would be the best three season run since when? Fifty nine, sixty, sixty one. I mean, t- seriously, my head, you know, yeah, Johnny. Ball. So, uh, I mean, Hugh Freeze went nine and three. What did he go? Eight and four. Or was it nine and three, were, nine and three, and he lost were, the Peach Bowl and won the Sugar Bowl, right? Isn't that what they did? Yes. So nine and four, ten and three, and but then the next year they were five and seven. Five and seven. Yeah. So it would be the best three year run in Ole Miss football. I guess since, the year before that they were eight and five. So right. So so since the freeze era, it would match the freeze era, and that would be the best since before my dad was born. Mm-hmm. So if they do roll out another eight and four, you've got to look at that stretch as consistent and better than the school's done in the modern era. And so it's hard to question the philosophy, but the other side of that coin is, are you paying $9 million and then $2 million for your defensive coordinator alone and doubling your recruiting budget 
and and doubling your support staff and, and investing millions and millions and millions of dollars like you've never done before to go eight and four in consecutive years. Yeah. That that that's that's the big question for Ole Miss is is it's the juice worth the squeeze. Yeah, what point. an interesting balance that is, right? Because yeah. on the other they, side they, of the coin, states not spending as much. You know, they, they, I'm not saying they've gone cheap, but when you have a first year head coach, you know, you're not going to give him nine million dollars a year. I mean, I, I really do think if Leach were here, they probably would have bumped him up to like six point five seven, something like point, that, and and would have been totally justified. But yeah, state, you know going to be towards the bottom end of that, but the results, you know, State won nine games last year, and this year we'll see what happens, but it, it, it between that and the, like I said, the difference in recruiting, State is still high school focused. They use the portal to fill holes here and there, but they're never going to recruit 15, 20 guys out of the portal in one class. It's just, they're just not going to do that. So it's, it's, it really does feel like, you know, as, as much as this rivalry is a, philosophical difference in every single conceivable way. Let's just add another one. The way these two programs are being built is is now added to all the other social and 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 philosophical constructs that surround the egg bowl rivalry. Well, I guess my, Perce- my, perceived uh social because uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, because well, I have anecdotal evidence. I haven't spent my entire life in Mississippi, but man in my neighborhood, in my neighborhood, there are Ole Miss flags and state flags everywhere. It's like we're in the same neighborhood. We mm-hmm. live in the same town. We work the same jobs, go to the same church. Yeah. And, and you guys are trying to tell me how different you are when, like, I've got my my neighbor Tim down the street, big state fan, lives across the street from an Ole Miss alum. It's like, you guys tell me how different you are, but you're the exact same people, man. You cut your grass the same way, too. I I'm, see. I'm just saying. There's, there's differences, Borky. I'm just telling you. <laughs> um, I guess my, my 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 last question is this, you know, the Egg Bowl it comes it comes in in cycles, you know, State wins a couple, Ole Miss wins a couple. I truly believe neither team will ever fully separate from the other. That we will never see a time like we had in the '60s where State was a a, a consistent four or five win team and Ole Miss was a consistent eight nine win team. I just I just don't think those days are are ever going to happen. Can these two programs at least thrive? to the point of, you know, everybody's happy together. Can, can we have a time where Ole Miss and State are both winning eight, nine games a year and everybody's pretty happy about it? Or is there always just going to be this, you know, this cycle of, okay, Ole Miss is down, but State is up, and and, and then it comes back around? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, I've, I've thought that the two can't play, like, high-level football at the same time. Mm-hmm. Consistently. Now I know what 2014 was, but I'm talking yeah. about on an annual basis. That's not. I mean, what happened two years later? They were both exactly five and seven. Uh, so I don't know if that's possible. I, I do. I, I'm curious to see, and I know it's your favorite topic in the world. When the dust settles on all this, like there's an SEC contingency, including Nick Saban and Walker Jones from the Grove Collective. Did State send a representative? Is Zach Ar- Selman there? Is Arnett's there? there. So Zach, Zach Arnett's there. Um, if they can get anything done, whatever happens, because they're not going to sit back and just let it be as it is. Things are going to change depending on who changes it. Somebody's going to. If the du- When the dust settles, I'm curious to know what that will look like because I think approaching an era where there is at least a perceived attempt to balance resources, that's where Ole Miss and State can, can catch up. Because Ole Miss and Mississippi State will never 
have the resources of Texas A&M unless a bunch of you guys start striking oil at your hunting property. Like there, there's just that that will never exist. But if there is a way that they can balance the scales a little bit, yes, they've got a big stadium. But as we've seen, what does Texas A&M have that that we don't have here in Mississippi? What what do they have in terms of history and even like the campus and the town and stuff? I mean, you've been to College Station. What yeah. what, what what do they have that that can't be obtained here? The difference is. They've got all this expendable money without a limit on it. If they right. can find a way to have some level of balance, you'll see that come up. Because when you go to Starkville, when you go to Oxford, and you go to Tuscaloosa, what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just... it's just They're college not, towns. Yeah, they're just college towns. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only difference is... I mean, like Tuscaloosa. I mean, if you, I don't, you know, I'm old enough that I went to Tuscaloosa in '97, and 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 you know, like it's, it's Tuscaloosa in '97 isn't that much different than Starkville is today, because Starkville has grown, but Tuscaloosa has grown at that ex- exponential rate because of Nick Saban and because of you know they they, yeah. they their students and their money's pouring in. Yeah, it's why I always reference back to the NFL. I mean, tell tell me what New Orleans is like compared to Los Angeles. Yeah. The, the media market, the money, the the businesses, the investments, all that. But those two football teams are on the exact same playing field. And college football should strive to, to find ways to make that part of what they offer. Because if it was just, if the NFL was structured like college football, the Saints would lose and the Bills would lose every single year, every game they play. It, they they would always lose because you would have these big markets with all this money and all these resources that would just take over. That would be college football. But instead, the Saints can build rosters that are really good, and the Rams can build rosters that are really bad, and vice versa, equally. We'll see what happens. This, like I said, philosophical differences. I've always said this about State and Ole Miss. I know you're not a big Harry Potter guy. At least I don't think you are. But there's a quote in there: "Neither can live while the other survives." I've always believed I've always believed it was a zero sum game with Mississippi State and Ole Miss. We'll see if it can be a little different. Both teams won, you know, eight regular season games a year ago. We'll see what what this season brings, and of course, we'll see what the Egg Bowl brings and all that comes with it. We're twelve weeks away from the start of college football, which means we're twenty five weeks away from the Egg Bowl. Plenty of time to talk about that. I'm sure we'll do it on Sports Talk Mississippi with Michael Borky. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Borky comes across in that interview to me as. He thinks Ole Miss, I think he's kind of like us. It's like they can be good, but they have a lot of questions. And it, you and I are the two that are like, why is nobody bringing up the questions more? Because yeah. the questions are big. The, the, the defensive question, you know, you look at Ole Miss over the last decade of defense, right? Since Kim Diche left in 15, they have not been good defensively. They had one year, 21, where they were above average. They were above average. They had Sam Williams getting a lot of sacks. A chance Campbell was good for them. They were in the bad middle. early in the season. They were but bad. They got, they, they got it turned around. Yeah. And a lot of that was Sam Williams just decided he was going to start second a quarterback every play. Yeah. And I thought Durkin did a solid job. Did a of, good job. But for the most part, that's the outlier, right? 16, 17, 18, 19, and then 20, and then last year, awful. Yeah. And especially against the run. And now that Mississippi State is more of a run heavy team, 
I think it just favors the Bulldogs in this game. I just feel like a lot of times people get caught up with the the flashy stuff with Ole Miss. You know, they they get. Well, I think it's they th- th- that everybody was so going crazy over this quarterback room. You can only play one. Only play. I think people like Kiffin too. Yeah, like outside of Mississippi State fans, Kiffin is well liked. He's funny. He does funny stuff on Twitter, and so that just turns you into well, I'm gonna I'm gonna think this guy's going to be successful. Yeah. When at the end of the day, I mean, look, his 21 team really good, right? Ten and two. I think they probably would have beaten Baylor in that bowl game if Corral doesn't get hurt. Even though I mean, they it would have been more interesting because Baylor was bringing the heat that night. They sacked yeah. the quarterback seven times, but he, that was a great season, and you can't take that away from him. But when you're a team like Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and Dak Prescott proves this point, when you have an NFL quarterback, you, that's, that's like half the problem solved, right? Yeah. And then it's just, is everybody else okay? If you got decent players around an NFL quarterback, you can figure things out. State did that with Dak. I mean, how many, you know, offensively, how many NFL guys were on that team other than Dak Prescott? And I mean, guys who played more than a year or got a training camp invite. The answer is none. Uh, defensively, you know, McKinney, obviously really good, but I mean, there's not a, I mean, get Chris Jones, obviously really good, but for the most part, Dak was the the, the team. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss, when they had uh, Eli Manning, I mean, there's just not, how many other guys on that team were drafted from the skill positions? None. Yeah. Having an NFL quarterback makes it so much easier. And then, you know, I said that last year. I said, when teams like Ole Miss and State lose NFL quarterbacks, they take a step back. They went almost did. They went from ten wins to eight. Well, and and you can argue heavily that Matt Corral is the best quarterback they've ever had. And it, that's I and, think Ole Miss fans get upset when you do that, but you're absolutely correct. And and that's tough. That's that's tough to replace. Yeah. Mississippi State had to replace Dak Prescott mm-hmm. with Nick Fitzgerald. Yeah. Who was a great athlete, and they and they won five games. Yeah. And and in fairness to Nick, I feel like. It, he can't bear the brunt of too much of that because defensively they were so bad, They're bad. that year. Yep. But at the same time, I mean, if you have Dak Prescott, defensively or not, you're going to beat South Alabama. Right. Uh, if you have Dak Prescott, I mean, you go back and watch the BYU game. Yeah. You know, it's going to won that. Dak Prescott wins that game. So for Ole Miss, I like Dart. I think Dart's one of the top four quarterbacks in the SEC, in my opinion. If you said rank the top four right now, it's some combination of Jefferson – Daniels, Rogers, Dart. Yeah. Rattler's on the outside of that for me, and then everybody else is kind of unproven. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I like State's chances in this Egg Bowl as we sit here in June, uh, and then we'll see what the season brings us. So next week we'll talk about USM. We'll have Luke Johnson on with us, talk about the Mississippi State and the, and the Golden Eagles, and a lot more. All right, tomorrow's show, you know about it. We will be live at the Little Dewey. Uh, we will be talking about catfish. We'll have some great guests, including Mississippi State Athletic Director Zach Selman. Plenty to talk about with him with all the SEC scheduling stuff uh, going on, so we're looking forward to that. Plus, we're looking forward to eating catfish, mm-hmm. to be totally honest with you. Uh, so that's going to happen tomorrow, uh, and then that show will be up on Friday, uh, which is you know when you talk about tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're recording it, and then Friday, you get to listen to it. But it's tomorrow. Unless you're you get there. To listen, unless you're there, yeah. And we do encourage you to come out and you come say hello. Uh, pictures are $25. And Robbie and I will sign anything for fifty. That's less than what Bret Hart's going to be asking people to to pay for at the uh, Comic Con, I guess next week. I will also tell you about how terrible a person Bill Goldberg is, if that's what you want to hear. So. <laughs>
We'll see you tomorrow at the Little Dewey. Until then, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.